right, so, well, I'm so happy to be here. To, today, what we're going to do is we're going to have sort of a two-part thing. The sermon's going to be a little bit shorter. We're going to continue with our, with our topic and our sort of direction and journey. Um, and then uh, we'll take communion, and we'll take a little bit more time for the tribe story because Deb and I wanted to share about our trip to Ukraine, right? And uh, it's very ambitious, but I was thinking, you know, man, we, you know, we have a few stories to, to tell. Obviously, we can speak about this for hours, but I was, we're going to see if we can make it a little bit compressed, more compressed. And then maybe because it's sort of in the news and in people's hearts, if we have some time at the end, we can have a little bit of a Q&A. If you have any questions at all, just let us know. So we're continuing with, uh, with this series called Being. And the idea about, uh, behind being is this really powerful f idea that our identity sort of defines our journey, right? Who we identify with, what we identify with, ourselves, all of that. Um, and today, sort of, we, we've touched upon really cool, amazing sort of pillar concepts throughout the series. And today, what I wanted to talk to you about is this concept of repentance, right? Now, the, I titled this, <laughs> entitled this <laughs> uh, Headspace, right? And the reason for that is because the, you know, the headspace you are today will define the life space you are going to be tomorrow. Um, I, I'm super, super engaged in that idea, uh, primarily because I'm, I'm so grateful. A, re, a recipient of a, of a changed mind, which is essentially metanoia, the, the, the word that's translated into repentance is metanoia, is changed mind, transformed mind. Uh, but as a recipient of, of a transformed mind, um, I've seen just countless blessings in my life. You know, like there's just all these things that are inherited or you just don't know them or they're whatever, nature, nurture, a combination of those things. And something comes along, an idea from the Bible that strikes you particularly deeply. And then it just changes the way you see the world, right? And because it changes the way you think, it changes the way you act. Because it changes the way you act, it changes the outcomes that are just completely different. Um, and I love this idea so much that I even have a, a newsletter uh, called Headspace. So if you go to christianrayflores.com, you'll find it. I have a YouTube channel. Because I really believe this is like, it's the most powerful thing in the world, right? How can you take a human being that lives in a certain context and help that person see something in their, in their, in their lives that are limiting thoughts, essentially? And if that person accepts a change, a transformation of thinking, the whole direction of their lives is changed, right? How can we, like, and, and we, we all sort of struggle with that. Every single one of us, uh, even if you're doing really well and sort of celebrating and not just, you know, uh, being, feeling, you know, uh, disappointed in life, right? We all have limiting thoughts of one kind or another. So the lifestyle of a Christian is a lifestyle of continual repentance, so today what I want to do is I want to just land on one scripture and then have a descriptive scripture at the end that sort of echoes that. And it's from Romans 12, 2. And I used the New Living Translation just to shake things up a bit because we quote the scripture all the time, right? But maybe it gives us a little bit of a taste, a little nuanced taste. Here's what it says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Essentially, Romans 12, it's, this beautiful, it's a beautiful, powerful verse. You can 
you can meditate all of your life on. Because what it is, it's essentially um, the anatomy of repentance. That's what it means. That's what it is, right? Like if, so what, what I want to do is I want to go th through, like, through this and savor this scripture with you, okay? And savor it and see if we can extract something from it that is transformative as well. Okay, so, and the way I wanted to do it is sort of by asking, by sort of leading us in, in an inquiry, by asking ourselves certain questions. And, and let the scripture, letting the scripture inform and answer, the answer for us. So here's the first question. Is conventional what I really want? Is conventional what I really want? Now, obviously, the reason why I say, uh, say this is because conventional wisdom, if you want to continue using con conventional wisdom, you will always get what? Conventional outcomes. Right? So the question is, is conventional what I really want? Now, in some in some uh, aspects, conventional is actually what you want, right? Because not all conventional wisdom is bad. Conventional wisdom is good when it makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, for example, um, cultures have conventional wisdom of their own. Subcultures have conventional And you can, you know, if you're from, uh, like, a, you know, from, if you're Latin, you'll find a, a few things that Latin culture does better than, let's say, American culture. If you're African, you'll find some things that Africans do better than, uh, than Latin culture, et cetera, et cetera. You go, you know what I love about the Latins? Blah, 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 right? Uh, for example, Deb, when, when she moved to be with me uh, in, in Russia, uh, she was amazed at the contrast of how people treat pregnant women. She was pregnant, right, obviously. And she was like, this is amazing. Like, I go, like, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in a, I'm like at the checkout in, in a store, and if I'm pregnant, people will literally usher me to the, to, to the beginning of the line, right? If I'm riding the subway, uh, if I come, literally, she comes into, into, the, into, into the train thing in the subway, and somebody will stand up because you're pregnant and make you sit down. That's really cool. That's really good conventional wisdom, right? The other day, I, was, uh, I do these prayer walks, I was, I'm walking, you know, in my neighborhood, and I see, you know, those ba uh, doggy bags? But it was an empty doggy bag just on the, on the, you know, on the pathway. And I walked past it, and then I'm like, ah, you know, you know, it just came back. And I picked it up, put it in my pocket, and I'm like, I'm so American, you know? Like, I thought to myself. And the, the reason I thought that is because, uh, you know, if you grew up in the third world, you see more trash, Right? For whatever reason, right? There's all kinds of reasons. The services are not as sophisticated. There's less money to spend on cleaning. But also some of it is the culture. So if you see a lot of trash, you, you sort of get used to it. You don't just go and pick up somebody else's trash. But in this, like, I'm sort of conditioned now to if I see trash, and if it's, if it's not my trash, I'll pick it up. Why? Because I want the, pla the place cleaner. That's conventional wisdom. But in the majority of things, if you think about the, the conventional wisdom, uh, even though no, not all of it is, is bad, is that in majority of cases, you, you can think, make an, a thought exercise right now and go, okay, let's, let's pick several dimensions of life. Financial, financially, work-wise, marriage, relationships, let's say parenting, let's say friendship. Just think about it, right? Think about, you know, whatever. An average of... 30 people that you, that, that you know across, you know, across your life. Do you want to have those results of the majority of them? Yes or no? Now, that's a really good exercise. 
right? And as a matter of fact, the people that we admire the most are people who are usually unconventional people. Have you noticed that? Right? So here's my next question, just to answer that, right? And so that's why the scripture says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not copy what everybody's doing automatically. Here's the next question. Do I, do I want information or do I want transformation? The scripture says, let God transform you into a new person. That's the way. So the, the anatomy of repentance is not that you somehow have this power of complete out, off the charts transformative change. You do not have that power. What the Bible proposes instead is that you allow God to transform you into a new person. And there's a ma massive tr difference between information and transformation, right? You know what's the most, uh, the most frustrating thing about being a, a, what they call a pastor? Is that all I can offer you is information. I cannot, I cannot create transformation in you. I can offer you information and point you to transformation, but it's your choice to allow God to transform you into a new person. You know, and really it gets, it gets sort of repetitive. You, you see this face, this mind, this journey, and I offer you the best I can, right? It's the same thing, like if I'm the audience and somebody else is preaching, I'm sort of the audience, right? And I need to pick, I need to allow God in that moment Whoever's, whoever's speaking, whoever's having influence on me, whoever's I'm giving their, their, my attention to, I need to allow God to use something there to change me into a new person. And that requires a lot of intentionality, right? Uh, and most people take, I mean, and, and so like, it's not even, I'm not saying that about you, I'm saying that about me as well. We're bombarded with information all the time. All the time. And, and a lot of it is actually good information. Like you can, you can come from, you know, leave this room and, and listen to five or ten different amazing sermons on Spotify after you leave. How does that transform your life? That's a whole different question. That's a lot of information. It doesn't translate into transformation, right? So let me ask you this question. What does Luke Skywalker, Moses, Spider-Man, King David, Cinderella, Neo from Matrix, and the Apostle Paul have in common? transformation. These are all transformed people. All of these people, every single person, that's why these are our heroes. Right? Fictional or not, these are people that went from something to something completely different. All of them have a backstory that takes them from one person to a new person. That's why we're, we are inspired by them, right? Our collective heroes are transformed people, right? And a shift happens in every, in every journey. You know, if you look, you know, at Cinderella, she's this. She's Cinderella pre and Cinderella post, right? You know that. And there's all kinds of stuff that happens, right? And usually in storytelling, and I study this, this stuff out as a guy who does marketing and everything, right? And I love, just love songwriting and arts in general, is that there's, in, in cinema, there's a term that is sort of the tool that, that, to make that happen in a script, right? And it's called the inciting incident. The inciting incident, it, it's, some, it's a small thing, it's a small lever 
that changes the very direction of somebody else's life, right? That's the inciting incident. So the, what the Bible is teaching us to do is allowing more inciting incidents into our lives. And inciting incidents are scary by definition. That's why we have them in theater plays and books and, and movies and everything, right? Allowing an inciting incident to your life is allowing God to trans transform you into a brand new person, right? Let God transform you, not inform you. Okay, so here's the next question. What area of life do I want to improve dramatically? Every single one of us, every single one has at least one or two or three things, right? That I go, man, I'm super happy and super grateful about this and this and this but this, but this thing I'm frustrated with, right? And then remind me, let me remind you of the, of the title of the sermon, Headspace Today Will Determine your life space tomorrow. And if you have an area of life, I can almost bet that if you have an area of life that you are frustrated with, it means you haven't thought about it differently for a, for a long time. You just haven't. You've tried harder, perhaps, but that's different than cha changing the way you think. Does that make sense? So what the Bible says, let God... And those words are scary words because it involves letting, which means surrendering, worshiping, letting go of something, right? That's why they say let, 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 let God and let go or let go and let God. You surrender and that's a process, that's a discipline, that's a lifestyle. And learning how to do that, learning how to letting, and not just letting, letting, just, if you let without God, it's passivity. You just let life take you somewhere. But letting God, it's a whole different story, isn't it? It's painful. That's why most people don't do it. It's painful. And then the last the last uh, part of that scripture is, is really remarkable because it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So there's an if and there's a then. What's the if? The if is let God change the, your mind, the way you think. Stop, oh, stop copying first. Stop doing what everybody else is doing. Allow God to change your mind, the way you think about certain things. Whatever it is, pick what, what your main thing is. Pick one thing, one, one goal, one frustration, one thing where you're stuck. And let God change the way. You, and then what's going to happen is this. It doesn't say, and then you will be rich. It doesn't say, and then you will get a girlfriend. And then you will... Fill in the blanks, right? Doesn't say any of that stuff. What it says is, you will know what God wants from you. And why is that important? It's because it's good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Why is that amazing and, and transformative for, for you and I? It's because we have no idea what's good for us. Right? So the question is, do you like my plan? 
Am I going to continue following my plan or will I seek God's plan? We have no idea what's good for us. Not only in general, right? Not, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm supposed to do this. This is what's going to make you. No, but in particular, very, very specific. What is God's plan? Not for humanity, not for uh, a Christian, not for an Austinite, not for an engineer, not for an entrepreneur, not for a lawyer, not even for a member of your family, but for you, specifically. You were designed, created, fearfully made to bring God's glory in this life. You, personally. And if you pursue that and if you allow God to change you, you'll find His will for you and it's perfect and it's pleasing. So the process of repentance really is a process of alignment, of discovery. You know, you have no idea what he has for you, but what he has for you is perfect. And it's a painful process, you know, like, I never thought I'd be a preacher. I've been preaching for 25 years. I thought I'd be a singer my whole life. You know, at this point, I've been preaching for 25 years, and I've been, I was a singer professionally. I'm still a singer, I guess. I can sing. For 10 you know, so like it's crazy how time just flies, right? I never knew I was going to, you know, marry Deb. And I had all these ideas about the perfect woman. And she's the perfect woman because God's, God showed me she's the perfect woman for me. I had no idea how to be a friend until the Bible shaped me who I am, into who I am. And I have these friends that I never thought, never dreamt that I could have the, this level of friendship in my life. And the list goes on and on and on and on across all kinds of little dimensions of the human experience. And you can probably echo that, right? Can I, can I get an amen if you've experienced some of that stuff? Right? Ephesians 2, 10, this, I'm going to complete with this, con uh, conclude with this. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Look, you... Are, are perfectly designed, perfectly designed to do specific, amazing, wonderful, enriching things that God had prepared for you before you were even born. Isn't that a, isn't that a good description of repentance to find that, you know? Repentance is not an oppressive thing. It's not a limiting thing. It's not a frustrating thing. It's a scary thing, but it's a wonderful thing. It's sort of the portal to the full life. That's what repentance is. Right? The assignment that God has for you is as dynamic as any relationship you have, right? Like if you're married, you know your assignment as a married person is to take care of your spouse. And the Bible has very specific things to say about that, right? But it gets so much more detailed when you dive into your family, your spouse, you. The way you perfectly, ideally, are to serve your spouse, love your spouse. There's so much more color around that. That's, that's repentance. 
So here's the last question, and I'll, I'll, we'll pray for communion. How is my headspace today shaping my life space tomorrow, specifically? And I really want to encourage you to th sort of think about this and maybe take some notes or even maybe wake up tomorrow and spend 15 minutes really giving it some serious thought. How's my headspace today, the way I think about something, shaping my life space tomorrow? It's a good thing to pursue in thought and meditation and prayer. Let's pray. Father, uh, all of us here.